or 1 Kings chapter 5. Let me just give you some background just real quick. Uh, we all understand David. Uh, David was a great king in Israel. And uh, David, the Bible says, he was a man after God's own heart. And David wanted to build a place of worship to God. He wanted to build the temple. And that was in his heart. That was his desire. And God used him greatly in the preparation for the building of the temple. But God told David that he would not build the temple. He would not be able to do that. And so he said that his son Solomon would do that. If you look at 1 Kings 5, uh, if you notice this, uh, it says, And behold, I purpose to build a house in the name of the Lord my God, as the Lord spake unto David my father, saying, Thy son whom I will set up upon thy throne in thy room, he shall build a house unto my name. And so God told David that it wouldn't be him that would build this temple, that it would be his son Solomon. So David worked, uh, and uh, he heavily worked in in uh, getting materials and, 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 and drawing all those things in and, and providing for the preparation of that really uh, laid the groundwork so that Solomon would be able to build the temple. But it really was more about David's heart for God. David wanted to worship the Lord. He wanted to provide a place of worship. We understand that it's not about buildings. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. We just sang that old rugged cross. I'll cherish the old rugged cross. You know why we cherish it so? Because of who died on the cross, Jesus Christ. Uh, if it were not for Jesus, the cross would have no significance to us. Uh, I was thinking about that as I uh, stood and sang that song that Jesus spoke to his disciples, and he said that they were to take up their cross and follow him. How much more significance does that have to us today because we understand what Jesus did on the cross? They were uh, not understanding that fully, I don't think, because uh, a cross was not something that was something they were looking to or looking for. We look back at the cross and say, what a wonderful thing the cross is, but it was not a wonderful thing in his day. And let's look at 1 Kings chapter number 5, and we'll look at verse number 12 together. And the Bible says, And the Lord gave Solomon uh, as he promised him, and there was peace between Hiram and Solomon, and they too made a league together. And King Solomon raised a levy, out of all Israel, and the levy was 30,000 men. And he sent them to Lebanon, 10,000 a month by courses. A month they were in Lebanon, and two months at home, and Adoniram was over the levy. And Solomon had threescore and 10,000 that bear burdens, and fourscore thousand hewers in the mountains. They say uh, the Gentiles' money and labor was primarily used in the building of the temple as a picture to typify the fact of the Gentiles being uh, into the church one day. And what a, what, a, what a pretty picture that is and how uh, the Gentiles was used in the building of the temple and how today we're the church, amen? I'm glad that uh, I'm grafted in. How about you? I'm glad I'm a child of God today. And uh, look at verse number uh, 17. The Bible says, And the king commanded, uh, and they brought great stones, costly stones, and huge stones to lay the foundation of the house. Look at verse 17. Would you read that with me? And the king commanded, and they brought great stones, costly stones, and huge stones to lay the foundation of the house. And Solomon's builders and Hiram's builders did hew them, and the stone squarers. So they prepared timber and stones to build the house. And it came to pass in the 418th year after the children of Israel were come out of the land of Egypt in the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel. In the month of Ziph, which is the second month that he began to build the house of the Lord, and the house which King Solomon built for the Lord, the length thereof was three score cubits, and the breadth thereof twenty cubits, 
and the height thereof, 30 cubits. You say, why are you telling me about this? Because I want you to understand that the size of the house uh, would have uh, really determined the size of the foundation here, right? So we understand that they couldn't build the house without that foundation. So we kind of get the understanding of how big the foundation was uh, by the size uh, given here of the house. And then skip down to uh, uh, verses 37 and 38 of that same chapter, chapter 5, verse 37. The Bible says, in the fourth year was the foundation of the house of the Lord laid in the month of Ziph. And in the eleventh year in the month, Bull, which is the eighth month, was the house finished throughout all the parts thereof, and according to all the fashion of it, so was he seven years in building it. If we were to really add up all the months and all that, you can see it was seven years, is about seven and a half years uh, that they took to build this house uh, in uh, this great house that he was building for the Lord. We understand a lot of the preparation was already done and all those things were done. And uh, so I want to talk to you about these three stones mentioned in verse number 17 and talk about the foundation this morning and uh, a firm foundation. Father, I pray that you bless us this morning as we look to your word. I pray that God, as we look to it, God, we would believe it. God, not because it's my word, because it's your word. God, I put no confidence in my flesh this morning, but trust that your spirit would deliver the word of God, which you promised would not return void. I pray that as we approach it, uh, God, we would not approach it with a critical spirit. We would approach it with faith. God, that we have a desire, Lord, that we would be teachable. Sometimes, uh, even if we've been saved a long period of time, we could have this spirit of unteachableness. I pray that you'd help us to be teachable, moldable, pliable, that you would teach us something from your word today, and God, that we would hear it and that we would do it, that we would be wise, uh, God, as we continue to build on the foundation that you have laid for us in our lives. I pray that you'd help us to embrace uh, in building on that foundation and not try to lay another. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, may be seated. You see those three stones, and uh, I circled them. If you don't want to circle them, that's fine, but I circled them. It says great stones in verse 17. It says costly stones. It says huge stones. I think we have an illustration of the temple and what it looked like when it was completed. Uh, the, the temple uh, that uh, Solomon built, we have that. We get that up there, Brother Bill, and there's an illustration there of that temple, Solomon's temple, and we understand the Herodian temple that would have been in Jesus' day uh, that they would have seen and worshipped in would have been uh, large there. But you can see uh, kind of a model of what was built there. And it was a, a building that uh, they put together. You can see even there was a, that, that little rectangle on the bottom there is a football field. And you can see kind of the, uh, the uh, idea of how large even uh, the, uh, the, uh, the building was and, and that they built. And so you understand if I'm going to build a building of this magnitude... Uh, there would have been great care in taking the choosing out stones and laying a firm foundation, a solid foundation. You understand that God led him to do those uh, things and, and to lay out those stones and to lay down that firm foundation. So important that uh, the foundation is strong when you're building a building. And, you know, the call to build a foundation is a call to lay something that many uh, may never see or many may never notice, but its effects are seen over time, aren't they? Uh, when we lay a strong foundation, a firm foundation, things stand. They're able to stand for a long period of time. And in the Christian life, our strength is in what cannot be seen. You know, sometimes people try to look at the life of a Christian and say, what is it about this Christian? When I look at their life on the outside, can I say, what is the elements or what are the characteristics about this Christian that, that I can say really make a strong Christian? The truth of the matter is, is, is most of our strength as Christians are, is, is founded in things that we can't see. 
It's founded in things that people don't see and sometimes don't understand. Uh, for instance, faith. You know, when we, when we understand uh, faith, the Bible says it's the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. That's what the Bible says. So the Bible describes faith as substance and evidence, uh, but it also tells us that it's the evidence of things not seen. And so sometimes, you know, uh, I would just ask you to have faith that there's a foundation underneath your f- uh, feet today. You can't see it, but, you know, it's there. Uh, I don't know if you appreciated it today, but uh, I don't know anybody if they came in one time uh, when we were uh, redoing the auditorium in, in 2011. Uh, we had a couple pews, and they weren't so great. And if you sit on them just right, they would fall backwards. And uh, uh, that was dangerous. I mean, uh, it was exciting times. You know, it depends on what seat you sat in. You know, you could go backwards. You could fall. We'd have all kinds of... And if we really had a visitor that we didn't like, we'd make sure that the ushers sat them uh, in those seats. I'm just kidding, all right? And, uh, we, you know... And uh, we, we, we had a couple of seats like that. And, you know, when people come in and sat down, uh, they weren't thinking about, I wonder uh, how much care and construction the person took. When you sit in a chair, pretty much it's by faith. You with me on that? Ever have that faith kind of uh, really uh, not work out too well for you? Maybe the construction wasn't so good or maybe it was fine, but it was just the amount of weight that we put on it that uh, wasn't so great. I don't know. Sometimes it's like that, but you know, uh, we could sit down. I don't think you really thought about when you sat down this morning, I wonder if this thing's going to hold me. I I don't think you necessarily thought when you walked in, I wonder if the building's going to collapse on me today. Maybe that was you. I was, uh, you know, wondered that somebody told me they were, we were at a um, ordination and one of the pastors said, the week of that uh, meeting, uh, the the lobby in in the ceiling in the lobby had caved in. And had fallen in in the lobby before, just right before he was going to have the meeting. He said, oh, Lord, you know, uh, I can't believe this happened right before we have the meeting. And I, I just kind of said to him, you know what I wish? I wish, you know, one of those guys that said, if I ever come to church, the, the ceiling will cave in. I'm just, I'm kind of like that. I'm sorry. But like, uh, I, you know, I, I, I wish like right at that time that guy was walking in. And he walked in, and then the ceiling came, and he just said, I told you, and he just left, you know, walked out. And that never ha- seems to happen that way. But we don't really think about that kind of stuff. We don't think about whether the uh, construction is going to hold us or whether the foundation. But I-, I assure you there's a foundation that's underneath the floor here. And I assure you that, uh, that it had to be laid before we could lay anything else on it. And uh, it had to be measured. It, it had to be, it had to be uh, poured. It had to be uh, laid down. It had to be firm. It had to be uh, stone. It had to be rock. It had to be hard. Uh, a firm foundation didn't just start building uh, and uh, putting something together. And so, you know, sometimes we can't see it, but we understand its effects will be seen in time. You know, and uh, many Christians spend their time, they spend their money, and they spend their effort in areas where others can see, uh, but the private life is not so important to them. You know, the truth of the matter is, is your private life as a Christian needs to be very important. Uh, who you are before God, uh, how God sees you, you, your time with God, the things that other people don't see are so important. You know, as a ministry, as we lay a foundation, uh, it, it, as a ministry, you know, it's important that the things that people don't see are done properly. The things that people don't Observe. You know, I, I like to the, have the building clean. I like to have the bathrooms clean. I like to have the exterior clean. I like to have things in order. 
But you know what? Aside from doing all those things this morning, I met with a group of men at around 8 o'clock this morning, and we prayed uh, there in the office, and we spent some time in prayer for this service today. And you know, I'm not saying that to you because I'm trying to get pats on the back. I'm just saying we've got to keep the priority in the places where people don't see. We understand that, you know, we can't impress God with our words, and we can't impress God with our dress, and we can't impress God with the things that we do uh, externally. Those are for each other. That's considering one another to provoke one another to love and good, good works. But the truth of the matter is God sees our heart today. God sees your heart today. He knows what you're rooted in. He knows what you're grounded in as a Christian. And it's important that you're rooted and grounded in the things that the Bible says you're to be rooted and grounded in. Sometimes we root and ground our lives in superficial things, in surface issues, in things that don't really matter, and we ignore the private life. We ignore the unseen life. We ignore the faith life, and we walk by sight instead of walking by faith in the life of a Christian. And and sometimes we spend all of our time, and we spend all of our money, and we spend all of our effort in the things that people see, and we forget that uh, the, the Word of God tells us as Christians that it's not supposed to be with eye service as men pleasers, but we're supposed to be servants of the Lord that do the will of God from our heart, from our heart. Isn't it so important that it comes from our heart? You know, they say a message from the, uh, from the, uh, from the uh, mind reaches the mind. And a message from the heart reaches the heart. And a message from the life reaches the life. It's so important that uh, when we have a message to give, that it comes from our hearts. You know, if you go out and you just tell the truth or the word of God to someone, but it doesn't flow from a heart from God, it doesn't flow out of a love for care and compassion for, for others. You know, we have, a good, we have good news, don't we? Good news, the gospel is, isn't it? It's good news. Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners, uh, Paul said, of whom I am chief. And he said, I've got some good news for you. Jesus Christ loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible says, but God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. We understand something. We look at Jesus. Jesus' message was a message of salvation to a lost world. That's what we were. We were lost, and maybe this morning you've never accepted Christ as your Savior. You know what I want to tell you? There's good news for you uh, in that while you're yet a sinner, Jesus died for you. He demonstrated his love for you on the cross. And there's a foundation that you can lay in your life that's deeper than the superficial things you see in this world. That's, it's stronger than all the strengths of uh, uh, the mightiest of things that the world would like to construct. It's stronger. It's deeper. It'll last longer. It's everlasting life. It's eternal life. And this life, the Bible says, is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life, but the wrath of God abideth in him, the Bible says. You know, you've got to have the Son. You've got to have the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to have faith. You say, what does this have to do with what we're talking about here uh, in 1 Kings uh, chapter number 5? Well, I want you to look at this. And laying a solid foundation as Solomon was building the temple, he took great care in laying the foundation. And and, uh, what we need to understand as we look at this passage of Scripture illustratively about laying a foundation, you know what I want uh, the application to be? I want you to see something uh, applicable to all of us today. And number one, that it's a strenuous task. It's a strenuous task task, laying a foundation. Uh, You say, where do you get that from? Well, I want you to look at the first stone that's mentioned. It says great stones. You imagine with the technology we have today, how we would have moved those stones. But can you imagine how they moved the stones? I mean, back in the day, 
they got some great things done, didn't they? I mean, we marvel at the pyramids. We marvel at some of the great uh, things that were built back in the day when they didn't have the technology, when they didn't have the experience, if you would, or they didn't have what we have today to make our jobs easier. Uh, They still got the job done. Well, it took a long time, though, didn't it? It took a long time, and it took a lot of people. It took a long time, and it took a lot of people. You ever see, uh, I like watching, I saw that painting, and uh, it's a painting of uh, an Amish uh, culture there, and they're building a house, and the whole community's there. You know, they got everybody, all the men in the whole community are there, and they're all working on the same house. They're building a house together. You know, it took a lot of time. It took a lot of effort. It took a lot of labor. It took a lot of people. And, uh, you know, it, to, to move it, it's a, it was a strenuous labor. Sometimes today I think we talk about that. We don't even know what hard work is as a comparison to how they used to labor and how, how they used to work. And they work hard. I mean, from the time the sun came up until the, the time the sun uh, went down, they were working and working and working and working. And it takes a lot of work to move great stones It takes a lot of work to get them positionally in the right place. And, you know, the Bible tells us that uh, these uh, stones, they were 20 to 30 foot in length. They were five to six feet in breadth. You know, and it's so difficult, isn't it? It's strenuous to lay the right foundation. Let me uh, take you to 1 Corinthians 13 just for a minute. I want you to look at this with me because I want you to notice three other elements that the Bible tells us we have now uh, to help us in the Christian life. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, often called the love chapter. But I want you to look at verses 12 and 13. The Bible says, For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face, now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. The Bible, you know, if you, I, I think it's really good if you underline, circle the words then and now in those passages of Scripture. Because the Bible tells us what we have understanding of now. It tells us what we have now, what we know now. Notice our, uh, our vision is not, it's impaired now. It says, now we see through a glass darkly. So we have impaired vision right now. We can't see everything. But the Bible says, then, when Christ returns, when He comes back, the Bible says, we'll see Him face to face. And we'll know even as also I am known. But then face to face, now, he says, I know in part. So our vision is impaired. Our understanding is impaired. He said, I don't even understand fully everything. Come on, we know that as Christians. Do you understand all of salvation? I don't. Do you understand? Come on, how about this? How about love? Do you understand that? I understand as much as the Bible tells me about it but I still don't have a full grasp and understanding the way I believe one day I will. I, I think I, I, I understand as much as the Bible tells me about salvation, but I don't have a full grasp and understanding as one day I will I have an understanding of. I don't have an eternal mind right now. I have a temporal mind, and my mind's not thinking about eternity. My, my mind is geared towards time. What time is it now? When are we getting done? When is this done? You know, we, we have time on our mind all the time. And uh, we don't think eternally. And the Bible talks about us having uh, a, a knowledge that's only in part. But then it says, I know even as also I'm known. But get this. He says, and now, and now abideth what? Faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is what? Charity. 
We say it's love. It's godly love. It's agape love. It's the love that God has for us. It's that love that we don't have a full understanding of or we would have no knowledge of but for Christ. It is the love that is a fruit of the Spirit of God. And as we look at this in this passage of Scripture, we understand that now, in the time that we live in, as we lay the foundation of our lives uh, on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ, He's that chief cornerstone. He's that foundation that's laid that nobody, other can, uh, nobody else can lay. And in the Christian life, we build our lives on the Lord Jesus Christ. And that uh, we look at that in our lives and we understand it's great. It's a great task. It's a strenuous task. But you know what it requires? Faith. It's so great, so strenuous, it requires faith. The people, they struggle with that, don't they? Talk about faith today. They struggle with that. They think faith is, you know, they'll say, well, that's blind faith. That's blind faith. That reminds you it's the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. It's not blind. It's actually seeing. It's seeing the way God sees, but requires faith now, doesn't it? I was talking to someone recently, and they were talking about the origin of humanity, the origin of creation, and they were talking to that in science and all those things. And, you know, I just let him talk, and we went on and on for a time. And uh, as he began to talk about more and more of all the, uh, uh, the works of science and uh, the, the books that have been written and all those things, I said, when you come to the end of all of that, here's the thing. True science is observable. You did not observe the world coming from nothing. Neither did I. You did not observe all of the things that you're talking about. And by the way, neither did those. Come on, you with me? I read the books and <clears throat> I see them. The, you know, the stone is, is this old because the fossil we found in it is this old. And the fossil we found, well, how do you know that the, the fossil is, is that old because of the stone that was in it is that old? And the fossils dated by the stone and the stones dated by the fossil. We call that really intelligent people call that circular thinking. And that's where I, I, I date one thing by the other, and I really have no real date or understanding of where they came from. Of course, we just completely ignore what the Bible tells us to happen that really creates fossils at a, at, at a matriculated rate, really quick rate, is when pressure and water are, are put on something, really can do a lot of uh, time, if you would, on something. You know, we look at, you know, do you ever uh, see something underneath the water in the ocean? All that pressure, you look at like a fossilized boat down there, you look at all those things, you look under, under the water, we, we can understand how things look older than what they are. And then we also understand that God created the world that we live in with maturity. He didn't make a man and a woman uh, as babies. He made them fully mature. And so he made, he didn't, uh, when God made trees, they were fully grown trees. How long does it take to, to, for a tree to grow? You understand God created the world that we live in with maturity, with age. God, uh, God created in a perfect way. But here's the thing. It all comes down to this, doesn't it? Faith. And you know why? Because that's what pleases God. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. You notice in the work of salvation, it would, not, it would, be, so, it would be so wrong if it didn't require faith because we understand that that's what's pleasing to God. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. So here's the thing, it's me not believing in myself or trusting in my understanding or leaning on to what I know. It's me putting my faith and trust in what God says. Boy, that's hard, isn't it? It's strenuous to live a life of faith. It's difficult to, to, to live a life on the foundation of faith because faith is a, is a great stone. It's a large stone. It, it's something that is difficult for us to even understand. But here's the thing, what does the Bible say faith can do? 
Well, faith can move mountains. Faith can make that which seems impossible possible. Faith can take the impossible, those things that uh, we look in the world and we say, that could never happen. And God says, by faith it can. By faith it can. Remember that man that came to Jesus? He said, Lord, I believe, but help thou mine unbelief. He said, I, and remember I, the man that Jesus marveled on? He said, I have not seen so, uh, so great faith. No, not in Israel. The man that came and said, Jesus, just speak the word and it'll happen. You just say it and it'll come to pass. You don't even have to come. You don't have to trouble yourself to come. You don't even have to be physically present for me to believe that you can do it. Wow, that's a lot of faith. That's a lot of faith. That man came to Jesus and said, if you just say it, Lord, it'll happen. Do we believe that way? Do we trust that way? Come on, sometimes we come to the Bible and we talk about faith, but we understand that faith is not an easy way to live your life. But the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. You know what sight does for us? It tricks us. It is that impaired vision that I believe 1 Corinthians 13 is talking about. It's that we, we don't see. We see through a glass darkly. We, we're not understanding things. But what does faith do? Now abideth faith. God understands because of our impaired vision that we need faith. Because faith is that substance of things hoped for, is that evidence of things not seen. It's like we cannot clearly see them. We see through that glass darkly, and God says, Here, for now, I'll give you something that will help you see what you can't see right now. It's called faith. Faith. We need faith. You can't, you can't be saved without it. You've got to trust in the Lord, you've got to put your confidence in Him. You've got to put your faith, you know, say, I'm going to believe on him. Believe on him. It's not about me. It's a strenuous task. It's a great stone. It requires faith. Not only do we see that it's a strenuous task, but we see that it's a skillful task. You say, what do you mean a skillful task? Well, look at one of the, uh, the third stone that's mentioned. It says, hewed stones. Hewed stones. You know what a hewed stone was? Well, Solomon's, and Solomon's builders and Hiram's builders would take on the long and arduous task of beveling and grooving and polishing. It literally meant polished stones. It meant beveled stones. Could you imagine trying to polish those things? <laughs> Could you imagine? I mean, what's amazing about this, uh, it, it's, it took skill, it took a lot of time, but what is so amazing about this is these stones can still be seen there today. They're still evident there in the foundation, those stones that were laid there. You know what's uh, amazing even still? That God's going to build the temple back on top of that foundation. That's amazing that God's going to do that. You know, he knows where those stones are. He knows right where they are, and he's going to build that temple right on top. And you know, Jesus is going to come, and he's going to sit on the throne Jesus is going to come and rule and reign. It's going to be an awesome thing, but I'm, I'm telling you, uh, that took some skill to hew out those stones. I mean, to polish those stones. It took, it took great skill. It took a long amount of time. It, took, uh, it was just an arduous task just to polish those things out, to bevel them, to get them so that they fit perfectly uh, into that foundation so they were smooth enough to build on, uh, so that they were beveled enough to fit together, so that they were grooved enough so they could slide them in the way that they needed to be to build that strong foundation that that temple was to be built on. It was a skillful task. 
The foundation was laid in the fourth year, the Bible says. It took seven and a half years to build. Because it was so long, I believe it required an element that we mentioned in 1 Corinthians 13, hope. Hope. You know what I think of when I think of a long process of work and obedience of faith? I think of Noah. Noah, for 120 years, he built an ark. He had to have faith to do it, didn't he? He had to have great faith to do that because had he ever seen rain? No. Was he near water? No. But he had to build this humongous boat. And you know what he had? He had faith, but he also needed something else, didn't he? Hope. Hope. You know what what the Lord does for us? He gives us hope. The Bible says that we're to be ready as Christians, always give an answer of the hope that lies within us. Something that takes so long, sometimes, uh, you know, as Christians, we look and we say, when's Jesus coming back? I believe that he is. I have faith that he is. But you know what he gives us as we wait? Hope. We have hope of his return. The Bible says we have that blessed hope. We look for that glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Looking for that blessed hope. You know, there's a hope that lies within us, the Bible talks about. I'm glad that God, for now, has given me hope. How about you? Could you imagine living in this world as hard as it is, as strenuous it is without faith, as, as long as this thing takes? And, and by the way, you know what I have as a Christian as I build my life on the foundation of the Word of God, as I build my life on the faith that is in Christ Jesus, as I build my life, my marriage, my family, you know what I have? I have hope. I have hope that if I'm obedient to the Word of God, my kids will turn out right. I have hope that if I obey the Lord, that my marriage will be strong. I have, I have hope that if we are obedient as a body, as a congregation to the Word of God, we have hope that God will bless us. Don't we have hope? You know what is so sad sometimes is when people enter into the church house and they don't see much hope. They don't see much hope. Look at people who are maybe not so much filled with faith and not, not so much looking with blessed, looking to that blessed hope and Maybe don't have an answer of the hope that lies within them. You know, sometimes you say, what are you talking about? Well, I believe that the, the message that we have is a message of hope. It's a message of hope. You with me? I mean, when people come, you know what we ought to be able to say? Hey, there's hope. There is hope, so be strong. There is hope. God has sent me here to tell you there is hope. You know, if you don't know what you're going through and what the future holds, because Jesus lives, there is hope. Aren't you glad there's hope? There is hope. And we can hope in the Lord, the Bible says. Hope thou in the Lord. There's hope in the world that we live in that seems, come on, hopeless, helpless. It seems hopeless. Look at our government, it seems hopeless. You look at a world that we live in, it seems hopeless. Come on, I will look at people's eyes, it's hopeless. Nothing, nothing there. Just blank stares and emptiness. Come on, people are empty inside. Do we have Christians hope? Do we have hope? Are we ready to answer the hope that lies within us? It's a skillful task, huge stones. It was a strenuous task, great stones. And I also want to point out that it was a sacrificial task. It was a sacrificial task. Look at that third stone that's mentioned there in the middle. Costly. Costly stones. Costly stones. You know what costs something to build? Solomon understood that, didn't he? He said, hey, listen. 
this is going to cost us something. But this is worth the cost. This is worth the cost. Didn't he put a lot of money into that thing? Sure did. Didn't he put a lot of time and energy into it? Sure did. Didn't he put a lot of man hours on that? Sure did. You know what? David didn't build it. He was busy at war, and he was a bloody king, the Bible says. And uh, he was at war with all those around his borders. But Solomon, he finally said, he said, God's given us peace on all our borders. He said, because God has given us peace, I don't have to worry about the protection of the borders. I don't have to worry about the expansion of the kingdom. God has given us peace for such a time as this so that I can build his house. That's why God gave them peace. He wanted them to build the house. You know, it was a spiritual work, wasn't it? It wasn't just putting stones together. It wasn't just putting a foundation together. It wasn't just putting walls up and wasn't just building rooms and bringing in all those things. It was a spiritual work. And we look at the cross. The cross we spoke about has significance because of the Savior. You know why this building has significance to me? Because of you. Because of you. You say, why? Well, because this is where you come, and you're precious to the Lord. This is, this is where you come, and God is worshipped here. Isn't this a special place? It's a special place. You say, well, there's no significance. Come on, don't get, me, don't get me wrong. We don't worship this place. <clears throat> we don't worship it, but it's a special place. It's a set-apart place where we come to worship the Lord. It's a place, hey, you know, sometimes I, I tell the kids, hey, don't, don't run in the auditorium here. Don't, don't, go, don't play on the platform. What I want to teach them is special. It's special. It's to be respected. They need to learn that, don't they? To respect the things of God. To respect, hey, his house. To respect the thing. Hey, I want them to, to learn. Hey, it's a, it's a special place. It's, it's a, you know, people, they pay money to, to make sure the walls are done right to make sure all the we pay money for those things you know why i I look at that because you know this carpet represents people's sacrifice it does no these lights being on represents people's sacrifice the the paint on the wall i remember when we were uh we were trying to rent it we had no money none we're not much different today but you know we we had we had none and uh one of the men in the church said pastor i'll buy all the paint and four of us came, and we started to paint. That's it. God said, let's, let's get some things. I really impressed on my heart that we needed to get some things in order and kind of fix up the place a little bit. And uh, one guy said, let's, remember that, Brother Junior? And we came, and we stuck him up on a lift, and he's up there for hours with Brother Bill, and they're, they're, uh, they're, they're painting the ceiling. You imagine trying to paint this thing? Remember I talked about last week not painting with your spouse? If our spouses were here, we might not be here. I don't know. We, just, we, we were here, and we were, we were painting the ceiling. And uh, they're getting that job done. And I remember painting uh, around the walls. One night, we were here. And uh, it, it was long, long hours. <laughs> we were here painting, and it was late at night. And I, I remember, Brother Bill, you remember this. Uh, we, we were here, and we were painting. And, and uh, we just thought, boy, this is just going to take forever. And about... And my line, about 20 guys came walking in. It was about 20 guys, and they wanted to, there was Mr. Moore's crew. They were going to play volleyball. And they, they came in, about 20 guys. They thought they were here to play volleyball. I saw painters. <laughs> you know what I did? 
I ran to Lowe's faster than I could, you know, and grabbed poles and rollers, and, and the guy said, yeah, we'll help, we'll help. You know, we got the thing just knocked out. I mean, they, by the time I got back, they were like, we need more stuff, we need more stuff. We have, yes, boom, boom, they're painting everything, they're getting it done. And I thought, boy, isn't it neat how God provides? How God provides. I remember um, we were uh, thinking about doing some trim and things, and and Mr. DeAndre, he said, he said, my son works over at the lumber mill. He said, why don't you come over and, and uh, talk to the foreman over there? And we were over there, and he said, he said, you want crown molding? And I said, no, nah, I can't afford that. He said, well, I got the dimensions that you needed milled off in the back, and someone didn't pick up the order. And uh, Brother Bill was there with me. He said, would you guys like to have that? And I thought, boy, you see, you just walked in, didn't even notice the crown molding. But, and and uh, the crown molding went in. And, uh, you know, the, the baseboard went in, the trim on the walls went in. And, and I remember, and, and he, said, he said, I got some mahogany you can put on the top, mahogany. I thought, wow, and he's going to give it to us. He said, sure, I'll have it delivered. When do you need it by? Didn't have to pay a dollar for it. You know, God just started providing, because we, by faith, just took a step out and said, we can paint, we can clean, we can work. I remember I was up in that corner, up on the lift, and we were putting the crown molding up, and I was trying to caulk, and a guy walked in the back door, right in the back door on the side, and he called up. He said, he said, hey, are you the pastor? And I said, yes, sir. He said, do you need a roof? At the time, we were praying, and we were trying to raise money for a roof. I said, yeah, I need a roof. We just had four guys come give us estimates. You want to throw your... I didn't even bother to come down. I was busy. And he went up on the roof, and make a long story short, God gave us a roof on all the buildings, gutters, softening, everything. We didn't pay a dollar for it. 